Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are talking Michigan beating Ohio State for the third consecutive year, 30-24 to win. And Steve, I know normally we do, oh, here's the biggest takeaways from the offense. Here's the biggest takeaways from the defense. I, I don't feel like this game warrants that. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously break down our takeaways from both sides of the ball, but but ultimately, I mean, this was essentially a championship game. It was a Big Ten East division championship game. But but really, I mean, you know, the takeaways don't matter as much as, as the statement Michigan made to the country, to Ohio State, to Michigan fans, to themselves in this game. Gritty win, physical win. Could use all those different adjectives. Uh, you know, this this was a little different than the last two times Michigan has played Ohio state and that I don't think Ohio state ever fell apart or honestly even made that many mistakes. I think you can make a very strong argument that that makes this win more impressive for Michigan, that it was less Ohio state gave up the 85 yard touchdown run or things like that. And more Michigan went toe to toe with a team playing some of its best football and won. So we have very impressive across the board, big statement, you know, you could you can just tell from the players after the game, uh, you know, they've been saying all the right things, keeping um, sticking to the party line, I guess, when it comes to when it comes to talking about how the sign gate stuff, the media firestorm, you know, they've 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 said the right things about it and that it doesn't affect them, yada yada. But you could tell. You could tell they were fired up. They wanted to they really have embraced the Michigan versus everybody mantra. And I I think ultimately, I mean, this was kind of my column. This morning, I think you just saw national championship DNA from this team. They felt like they've had it all year. Means a little bit more when you go up against another team that can win that a national championship. You know, another team that that just a couple weeks ago was ranked number one in the country and was number two going into this game. You know, Michigan looked like a team that can win the national championship. They looked experienced. They looked mature. They looked tough. They looked gutsy. They looked fired up. They looked focused. I mean, just really not a lot of mistakes. I, I, you could probably honestly count on two hands the number of like actual tangible mistakes that they made, and that's that's extremely low. That's over the course of what 120 some snaps. I mean, just a just a very clean and efficient in terms of mistakes, but also very physical and tough football game. You know, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh, wherever he was watching the game from, I'm sure he was, this was probably one of his all-time favorite games in Michigan football history. Just the grit, the toughness. And and now, and Steve, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but now it's three straight against Ohio State. You can talk about the recruiting stars all you want, but but Ohio State is out of excuses. And I, I think most of the fans that I know who follow Ohio State know that, right? Year one, okay, fluke, snow, flu game, Aiden Hutchinson doing his what whatever year two, I don't even remember what the excuses were, but there were that's how that's how ridiculous it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even remember what the excuses were last year. So, they, they, but they're, they they oh oh it was, it was five plays right? It yeah, was five yeah, plays. Yeah. They they won the rest of the game. It was just five plays, and you know they they did have some injuries. Michigan did too, but I'm sure if you're an Ohio State fan, you're looking more at the ones that hurt you than the ones that hurt your rival. And then this year, you know, lots of talk about oh. Michigan only benefited from the sign stealing and all the all this different all these different claims of recruiting violations, a lot of pearl clutching 
before this game, not just from Ohio State fans, but I think Ohio State fans were doing it the most. It did feel like they were the they were doing the most performative discussions of, oh, this is such a huge scandal. There's no way Michigan was good without this. And then Michigan goes out there without its head coach, you know, without its linebacker coach after months of being in the in the national media spotlight, more so than any pro sports team, I would argue, ever is in the season like this, or at least most pro sports teams. And and they go out there and and they win. There is no doubt who the better football team was on the football field Saturday. And, And now Ohio State's out of excuses and it's three straight. And by next November, it will have been five full years since Ohio State has beaten Michigan. So, yeah, Michigan's turned the tide, did so in, in very Michigan fashion, very impressive win. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, vintage, vintage Michigan-Ohio State game. I really liked that game yesterday. Uh, not necessarily, not just because the outcome. I mean, you know, like I always tell you, uh, Michigan winning this game makes our jobs a lot easier from now until pretty much next November. I mean, this this game dictates the collective mood uh, of the Michigan fan base. I think, I think regardless of what happens from here on out the rest of the season, right? I mean, we expect Michigan to beat Iowa next weekend, uh, but whatever, even whatever happens in the playoffs, it doesn't, you know, there's that just collective exhale from the fan base for the next nine months or so. So no, but I'm, I've always, I've always said it big. I love the rivalry more than there's any negative stuff. As far as Ohio state goes, I just thought yesterday was a great football game. Uh, we wondered how Kyle McCord would perform came out shaky. And then ants, then really big answer played yes, excellently. Right? Second quarter. Yeah. Like just, those are the kind of things I'm watching during the game. You know, like I said, it's to me, this game is just more than just who wins. It's just always been such a great tradition and everything. And just the ebb and flow of yesterday's game just felt very classic for all four quarters. Right. So what a performance for Michigan. You like we'll never know, I think, how much it hurts Michigan not having Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. Right. I mean, they just they just went through the toughest part of their schedule by far. 3-0, 3-0, and and pretty impressively, too, uh, running the ball 32 straight times against Penn State. Maryland game a little shaky, um, and then yesterday. But credit more than anything to the players, like you said, for just kind of getting through this. They didn't ask. Well, nobody asked, but, you know, th- th- this was something that was kind of thrown upon the, the players and the team, you know, and they've had to kind of, work their way through it. Like I said, in the middle of the toughest part of their schedule, not even close. And they passed the test with flying colors um, across the board too. Yesterday just kind of felt like a vintage classic Michigan, Ohio state game. Uh, Marvin Harrison jr. My opinion, best player in the country uh, did his job for the most part. I mean, you know, when he was called upon for Ohio state made play after play Uh, Ohio state also, other thing for them, credit for to them is the the interior. We we talk about going into the game, the interior on both sides of the ball was a matchup we felt like favored Michigan. I thought Ohio State's interior defensive and offensive line both answered the bell in a huge way 
for them yesterday uh, really is what made it a game because Michigan did not really get the running game going as much as maybe we anticipated they would. And then on the uh, offensive side of the ball, I, I got to think the crowd collectively nervous after Ohio State's touchdown drive to tie the game because they ran it right down Michigan's throat. Yeah, eight right? straight runs to cap that drive. So, yeah, I mean, I thought like that's it's that type of stuff, that ebb and flow positions and players playing above maybe what they've shown. That's what the rivalry's always been about. Uh, so, yeah, credit to credit to Michigan, obviously, for coming out and really just, yeah, mistake-free football, right? You said, you know, the, the, we McCord did play great for the, the middle, I'd say the middle three quarters of the game. Uh, and even the, the interception to end it, I mean, you're trying to score, you're moving. I, mean, was, he, I think right? he was hit while he was throwing it. Yeah, so. I mean, and – but we they did had talk to, about pressure, try it, right? Yeah, we did talk about pressure though, and that's that was you know it's where Michigan ended up capitalizing. Were two plays where he was a little under duress, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it it was just a, a to me a classic game back and forth, uh, but amazing, just good performances from both teams. But yeah, Michigan end of the day, mistake free football. You know, JJ McCarthy. I was wondering what you thought about this. I know we'll do each side of the ball or whatever, but I still like. Michigan did not attack the edge again in the running game. And I don't think, did J.J. McCarthy keep the ball once? Yeah, we were wondering if he, I don't think. Is he's not 100%? He it, it, it gotta be, right? Yeah, that or, or Steve, we talked before the season, probably the biggest thing that could throw a wrench in this season for is Michigan. If he, got, if he got hurt. It's if he got hurt. So, right. so it might not even be, he's not 100%. It might just be Michigan says, we'll be without. That's, that, yeah, that that's just sure. not going to be something that we're going to risk until yeah. maybe like the fourth quarter of a national title game or something. Well, but I mean, but I the, the, this was the this would have been the game I thought because there were a couple plays if he had kept it, it looked like he had plenty of space. Oh, I I agree run, with you right? for sure. There was one play. I'm trying to think maybe the third quarter. I'm trying to think, but like it became clear that Ohio State's linebackers stopped respecting like McCarthy in the run game at all, and they were just they were kind of doing what Michigan State would always do, just. A gap, a gap, the whole the whole time when Michigan was in shotgun. Really, my biggest gripe offensively was play action on first down. Just feels like something that Michigan could move the ball down the field so easily. And that was another. It was it was there were multiple instances yesterday where both Ohio State linebackers that were in the box were crashing. Again, we know they love the seven on nine. We and, you know, and it it works. Like they're they're twelve and zero, but. You know, I just still think I feel like the they did run play action once. It felt like those first, first down. downs, they were just setting them on fire. Like it was right? just like we don't even care. we we'll, we want second and eight. And it, yeah. Because they had <laughs> just like, to put who, a number who wants that though. Like that's not football. To, yeah. To put a number to your statement, they had eight first down runs that got two yards or less. Eight first down. They only carried the ball 39 times. So literally one in five runs were just first down runs that did nothing. Yeah, isn't it though? Right? On, I mean, yeah, it just put pressure on on the passing game and on the play callers to like come up with that. Other and that's stuff. and 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 I mean that's what ended up happening. Michigan had to make a handful of high pressure conversions throughout the game. I mean, the the outcome could have been totally different. You know, if they're not making those high pressure plays, the third and fourth downs that they were able to convert. So because that, that was the other thing. And I don't maybe I don't know if you have a, you'd have a stat for this one, but it, it did feel like Ohio State won one first down. Like 
on both sides of the ball. Because it did feel like Ohio State more often than not was in a second and six, second and five. Whereas, like you said, Michigan's just running the ball into a stacked box and they're yeah, they're already second and nine, second and eight. Again, like I said, that that's what I guess that's what makes ends up making a close game like this is is are those little things there. So I just don't know why Michigan doesn't do a little bit more play action, especially because and again, one of the things that we talked about going in was thought this would be a game for Colson Loveland, and it was perfect opportunity there. With if you have the backers are crashing, the middle of the field would be wide open. You know, and I, I mean, they did do it a couple, they did end up doing it a couple times. I think Barner had the one that was wide open. I just felt like Michigan could have kept doing that on first down, but they won. So it's not like, not like Sharon Moore's waking up this morning thinking, <laughs> right. I should have, damn it, I should have, <laughs> should have done that. You know, like who cares? But well, and to his credit, I mean, I don't know who's in charge of which play calls, but he called a ballsy game. He did. And it, and it made the difference in the game. That is, probably the biggest critique on Ryan Day right now because ultimately them losing if Michigan really is number one or number two team in the country losing to them by six points on the road is not this dire referendum worthy result but it did feel like in the same game where Ryan Day was settling for field goals or punting from midfield or opting not to go for it wasn't like fourth and inches at the 46 yard line yeah, and attempting a letting the uh the clock run down and attempt that a, what, dude that field goal yes that was a huge that was a noticeable decision even in the midst of the game that was one where it was like man like especially because Michigan got the ball back after halftime right yeah to well, let and, the clock run like that was, odd, was cooking I mean yeah yeah it, that was the other thing too that that, that made no. That did not make much sense, and then the no. the rare icing of the kicker worked. Right. It was just because uh, uh, I've always been pro. I've always like the kicker expects ice. the ice. Yeah, and so I always say like, don't call the timeout because the kicker's almost expecting it. But it totally worked out for Michigan. But yeah, the I wasn't. Now that we're talking it out, I, I'm more down. I'm more down on Ryan Day. The more that I think about it, like at first I was like. Their defense was playing excellent, I and they were running the ball probably a little bit better than we thought they would. So, like, at the time, it was, like, felt okay what Ohio State was doing. But, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely left some opportunities on the table, it felt like. Sharon Moore has more top five wins than Ryan Day does. <laughs> as crazy as that seems. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> we're not, if we start talking about Ryan Day, I think I think we'll go too far off topic. But, but I guess where I'm going with on that is – it was a game where Ryan Day, the biggest criticisms of, of him, because I think everyone, I think Ohio State and Michigan fans would both agree. Ohio State looked like a good football team. They looked prepared for the game. They largely looked like disciplined and focused and and like locked in. It was actually probably the least scrappy rendition of this game that I can remember. Feels like there's always something, right? But you know, Ryan Day called a fairly conservative game plan, and Sharon Moore, he went for broke. I mean, he he attempted three fourth downs, converted all three. They actually had as many fourth down conversions as third down conversions. But ultimately, you know, they go together. He called, you know, a Donovan Edwards pass. He brought in a backup quarterback in Alex oh, Orgy to beautiful. go. Yeah. Or in the first drive of the second half. I mean, probably the, one of the most important drives Michigan 
will have all season. And yeah, they bring Alex Orgy in to, to conduct a 20 yard run. So, you know, it's just, it, even though, even though we're kind of critiquing Sharon Moore for some of those first down runs up the middle, I think ultimately he, he called a very confident game plan. He called a game plan that had full confidence in his players and ultimately, it was just it was a ballsy game plan. I mean, this this was not a it was not an easy game on on the soul or the heart, I, I would say. Like, I, you know, we were talking before we hit record. You were asking me about the crowd. And I said it, it definitely felt quieter than 2021. Not like quiet, but quieter. And I, I kind of thought some of it is like neither team was really making the big mistake. And so I think there was just like a lot of tension and nervousness in the stadium. I mean, you know, I'm sure some fans would say, Oh no, we weren't nervous at all. But, but ultimately I, I don't think either team really like there, the ice never broke on the game. You know, there, I, I know there were a couple big plays here and there, but it, it never, neither team really seemed to blink. And so, you know, for Sharon Moore to call the game plan that he called, I think says a lot about him, says a lot about his confidence in, in Michigan's players. And he kind of, said it after the game. He's like, how could I not be with how well-trained these, these players are? So I think, you know, and then my other big offensive takeaways, I think the experience just showed, I think Kyle McCord had all around a good game. JJ McCarthy had less mistakes. He made uh, more, but he also made what three first round type throws. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, was getting played... there. I was yeah, getting sorry. there. I was okay, basically yeah. general point, And I, I could probably get there faster is, the di- I think in a game where both defenses look good, both run games did some things, but not everything. I feel like the big difference was Michigan had the more experienced quarterback and they had the better quarterback in this game. I, I don't know what Kyle McCord would look like next year. I, I, you know, that's all hypothetical and speculative, but yeah, he made a money throw to Roman Wilson. He completed 16 of 20 passes and you add in Edwards' pass, Steve. This is the highest completion percentage Ohio State has allowed since 2011. I mean, you're talking 12 years since they've allowed. I mean, they were 17 for 21. Michigan was not a stat and, we thought we could be dropping yeah. after this game, right? Yeah, I mean, this this crazy. is a, this that's is an eye opener for me. I didn't know that. I had to double check it because I was like, "Huh, interesting." But Ohio State, yeah, number one in the country entering this game and passing yards allowed yards per attempt allowed passer rating allowed and number two i think in completion percentage allowed and michigan they didn't set the world on fire which we i think we said in the podcast before like anyone expecting 300 passing yards and three touchdowns is probably they're drinking too much michigan kool-aid need some water but but ultimately they were efficient in the passing game and i think i think that made a big difference was michigan didn't set the world on fire passing the ball but they looked experienced and I think when the throws had to be there, they largely were. But you the know, moment I, wasn't too big, right? Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like for McCarthy in particular. That's, what, like that's were, when experience matters. Yep. Very comfortable on third downs. Very comfortable in, in the moments where maybe momentum was lost. You know, he was still finding the plays. You, you know, we talked about the tight end. Seven catches, 108 yards on seven targets for Colson Loveland and A.J. Barner. You know, I felt like Roman Wilson obviously had the touchdown catch. Cornelius Johnson quietly made a couple contested catches that I think were, you know, I think back to over the course of Cornelius Johnson's career, which is 41 starts. 
So he's been he's been around a while, but I do feel like he is starting to hit a level where he can make some of those contested catches. You know, felt like the pass game experience just showed. Uh, you know, the run game I think did what it had to do, and I think that seven minute drive in the fourth quarter, you know, that basically counted as like two touchdowns in, in terms of the scope of the game because it seemed like Ohio State was getting whatever it wanted offensively. You know, after the shaky start. And so for them to go seven minutes as opposed to like a three and out, there's a real chance that's a 14 point swing or, or however many point, you know, cause they, they only got a field goal on the drive, but had they three and outed or just not been able to salt that much clock away, Ohio state might've had two or three more cracks at, at a comeback. And the way they were playing, I felt like maybe they could, they could do it. So yeah, to, to burn seven minutes of clock in that drive. And then, and then ultimately I think the, you know, the, Big biggest play of the game in my mind. Zach Zinter goes down. I don't know how much I didn't see the actual injury. I don't know how much they showed of the stadium while he was down with injury, but it I mean it was serious enough that the entire Michigan team was out on midfield on their knees, you know, in support and solidarity. They brought Zach Zinter's parents in. You know, the the stadium was like mixed between being dead quiet and then just like trying to break the silence and not you know, be too quiet with little chance of let's go Zach and stuff. It was just like a very somber, serious situation. And then the first play, I think it was right off of, uh, you know, right behind Trevor Keegan, actually, you know, longtime roommate, friend, co-captain with Zach Zinter. You know, they go to the other side and and Blake Corm rips off a 22-yard touchdown run. I mean, that... Totally by design. There's no way, there's no way they didn't call run I'm behind sh- Keegan. I wouldn't be right? surprised if Keegan was like... Give me, yeah, get, like, yeah, like the, like, the offensive line kind of equivalent <laughs> of give me the ball. Right. right? Yeah, right. no, I 100%. He, 100%. He, with, he does yeah. the old foot in the door thing. He's like, give me the ball. Trevor, we can't give you the ball. All right, fine. I'll settle yeah. for this. Let me, let me hit the guy. Yeah, let me get, <laughs> give me the guy that's going to get the ball and I'll take him to the end zone. So yeah, what, so broken that, tibia and fibula? Yes. For Zach Zinter, right? I mean, I don't know if you yeah. saw on TV when his parents were like, uh, McCarthy came out, gave the both parents a hug and stuff. I mean, they they showed a lot of that type of thing during the like while the medical people were doing their job, and okay. uh, yeah, you know, so a lot, you know, the the team as a whole. And then you saw the photo that Zach posted last night with, I mean, Jim basically on call uh, at the hospital <laughs> yeah. with him after the surgery. Big Ted can't know. ban him from yeah, the hospital. I was gonna say like he's he's probably waiting for the phone call to, to head to the hospital. To go support his guy, that was kind of, of a course, neat, yeah. You know, uh, you know, best of a of a horrible situation. You know, you do wonder it might be the last time we see him in a Michigan uniform, right? I mean, he's, a, I, he's arguably Michigan's most talented pro prospect on their roster, right? So I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll see what I think JJ because of position, right? He might go higher in the draft, but but in terms of. Yeah, a lot of draft sites seem to have Zach Zinter as the number one interior offensive lineman. He was a midseason All-American. He was first team All-Big Ten last year. I actually looked it up today. He, he, uh, I'm sure someone will beat him now, but he actually has the most starts among any player on Michigan's team right now with 42. Yeah. Academic yeah. All-American, which I know, you know, some of those academic, you know, I, whatever. Academic All-American is a very prestigious thing because basically you have to be All-American caliber as a player and have, I think, a, it's a pretty high GPA. I don't want to say it incorrectly, but 
Yeah, I mean, he's kind of one of those epitome of Jim Harbaugh's Michigan type players. And and so we'll see. Did feel like the offensive line. I mean, boy, that's why you that's why you recruit so heavily in the in the transfer portal. And that's why you make sure that your your veterans get, you know, the experience earlier in the season if they're not starting. Because, yeah, to be able to to go on that seven minute drive afterward with what Carson Barnhart at right guard and, and Trent A. Jones at right tackle, two guys who have been battling for playing time their their whole careers at Michigan and you know for for both of them to step in and and really hold their own I think says a lot about the depth of the offensive line also says a lot about again this team I I looked it up for for a story that I did they have 679 offensive and defensive starts on this roster among all the players that's like that's an average of 30.9 per position like if you think about 20 you divide it by 22 they have 17 players with at least 21 starts in their career and they have 35 players with multiple starts in their career I mean this is Jim Harbaugh after before the game they were all all the different coaches were giving their speeches and and obviously players want to keep some of that to themselves but J.J. McCarthy told us about what Jim said and basically he he reiterated the classic the team the team the team phrase but he said to the players you guys are that team you guys are that team the one that's that's got the character that's got the discipline that's got the selflessness that's got the experience the talent the grit the toughness the depth the confidence the fearlessness I mean you've got you've got every everything a coach could want in a team you are that team and and believe it play like it embody it and I think they really did I mean, we'll we have more. We'll talk about the defense in a moment, but but I think really across the board, you know, that's kind of the the sentiment that jumped out to me. And I think what one area that really showed was I think the offensive line not a not a banner day for them. I don't think they're going to win the Joe Moore Award this year. We'll see. But at the same time, I think seeing what Ohio State's defensive line has done all season, seeing what they did on Saturday, I mean, for for Michigan to keep grinding, keep pushing, and then ultimately have that seven minute drive, have that 22 yard touchdown run. I think that that really made the difference in this game is I think Michigan's experience on offense really showed and Ohio state did a lot of good things offensively, but I think the inexperience showed at times as well. Any other thoughts on the offense in this game? No, but did you, I just tweeted, did you see Ohio state's quarterbacks coach calling out Roman Wilson on Instagram saying he's not tough? And that they took the ball. Like, what a clown, dude. Like, are you kidding me? Wait, before the game or after? After. No, he said that he said, by the way, we we took the that you got a lucky lucky call on the touchdown. Does that okay? Let's let me read, let me calm. No, I'm not I'm not, I'm not uncalm, but does that not sort of personify where things are kind of at right now in this rivalry? Yeah. Right? Does so like it, I still can't stop laughing. All right, all right. Look, go, I don't really, go. I don't get into the the, the rivalry yeah. stuff. It's not my my thing. But the video of Ryan Day bouncing yeah, around no. with the whistle, <laughs> yeah, like it's just there's that that will that video will live in my head rent free because it's <laughs> he, just he looks yeah. like a toddler who got a kazoo at like a carnival like the like the kazoo kid you remember that video i mean he, that kid didn't run into anybody but he kind of was kind of the same 
Yeah, the same like, and then, logic there. <laughs> there's there's some fun irony about Ryan Day going viral for a, a video where he's being literally a whistleblower. Yeah, no. So that, but <laughs> and that's the other part that like you just like because like my thing is on day, you know, I just I didn't hate what Ohio State did yesterday. If you're from on, from their standpoint, trying to look at it from their standpoint, you know, I, I didn't think he coached. No, a pure results. Game. It was. I mean, right? it was roughly I, the I, spread. Michigan might be the best team in the country. It was on the road. I get right. it. Undo. I, I was, but but then you think about yeah, you think about where all this crap that Michigan has gone through started from we know that's where it started from I mean we know without knowing but then to see an actual assistant coach like this is not like an analyst like to an actual see an assistant coach like calling out a Michigan player on social media after the game and then saying you got a lucky call I mean it's just it does that feels more like where this is right now than anything uh, from the in the grand scheme of things, because there were parts of the game yesterday, as far as Ohio State goes, where it did kind of feel like, like Michigan able to win by staying totally true to their identity, did not feel the same way on the other side of the coin at for stretches of the game, particularly on offense. Right, it just felt a little like too much Michigan, like like too Michigan focused almost with for Ohio State in my opinion. I, mean, I could be wrong maybe, but I'm talking about the situational coaching, not even necessarily the game plan uh because when they did go Michigan focused, they did they ran the ball right down the field and scored. Yeah, from a situational standpoint and just a, the grand scheme, it did feel a little bit you know, again, like Michigan has definitely taken the they're way ahead in the mental battle of this rivalry, which is what Michigan needed to do because talent is almost always going to be on Ohio state side. They've always recruited better. They're probably not going to stop recruiting better anytime soon. Right. I mean, they still have the number. I believe they have the number two class right now. They pump out pros. They still win 11, 12 games a year. Uh, kids aren't committing or are, are not committing to Ohio State because because they're losing this game. I mean, in the grand scale, Ohio State's still a top five program in the country, hands down, not even close. So Michigan needs that needs to to win that mental battle, and it is totally swung in their favor at this point. That's why I had to say something about that comment. There's just such just trash from an from an assistant coach, dude. Like, put the phone down, man. Like, go to bed. You know, I just it's just it's such such an odd. You saw Wilson. I mean, you heard Wilson's comments after the game. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I agree with him. I think that that's true. And it's sort of the way Ohio State's kind of always, at least in the last, let's say even, let's just say since Urban's been there, that's kind of the way Ohio State has won. Before that, it was sort of like what it was yesterday, where the teams are built somewhat similarly you know, the 90s, I mean, it was. It was always a grind. This game was always a grind out, all out, physical battle type deal. Um, but right now, I mean, that's what, what Wilson said yesterday. I'd have to, I don't have the exact quote, but basically implying Michigan's tougher than Ohio State kind of feels like that. And tougher physically, but also mentally. And and so, just for their coach to respond, to say that, I'd have to find it. We'll post it in the board. I mean, I'm sure it's probably been on the board like, 15 times already but uh but yeah so, so. The, the quote from roman wilson he was asked I'll, and i will say it was it was a little bit of a leading question he was asked if michigan because ohio state 
and Penn State and Michigan State. Michigan can definitely take pride in this. All three coaching staffs talked in August. They didn't. I don't think they explicitly said Michigan, but they said that they want they wanted to be bigger and more physical in the trenches because the teams that are winning the Big Ten lately have been bigger and more physical in the trenches. And all three programs kind of did that. So there's a lot of talk about Ohio State being bigger and more physical. They sure looked bigger and more physical. I, you know, especially the D, I felt like the defensive line did a great job against Michigan's run game. You know, Ohio State's offensive line, I, I might have overlooked them, to be honest. I, I don't know if, you know, if maybe I just saw the Penn State Notre Dame games and that magnified things or what, but they, they looked pretty good too. You know, the players were asked about it and, it was kind of funny because I think I don't know if people were expecting Roman Wilson to weigh in because he's a pretty mellow guy. And also receivers don't normally take as much pride in the physicality like like Mason Graham was, was gonna, up there. I was going to say Colson Loveland yeah. were up was up there. So I think I think the question was a little bit intended for the guys who are in the trenches and mixing it up a little bit. But Roman Wilson jumped in before the question was even over. and He said, definitely not. I told the receivers this week, you guys, you've got guys over there. This is the thing I thought too. Guys who put on the Louis V, the thousand dollar outfit, you want to act hard, but when we're out there, they're not hard. I see the film, you're not tough. And then he continued, and I actually give him credit for this. He says, and I don't think I'm the toughest guy in the world, but I'm out there, I'm getting physical. I don't think they wanted it like I wanted it. And I think that's very true. I think that's like a, you know, I, I do kind of appreciate him saying that because I'm like, he's 185 pounds. You know, it's like, like, it's not like he's the guy like leading the way in the trenches, but also, I think to your point, when when I see an assistant coach making comments like that on Instagram to a just commenting, period. Yeah. Let alone so saying that. <laughs> yeah. Like let and, alone. And I see the the whistleblower video. I see the <laughs> yeah. some of the other pregame videos. And it just you're right. I mean, you you know, Michigan has the mental edge right now. You know, they're they're more focused, they're more locked in on this rivalry. I think they want the win more. And I was, you know, a couple of uh, our colleagues who cover Ohio State for 24-7 kind of pointed out, like, with, like, plays like the double pass or the Alex Orgy. You know, Michigan, it seems like they spend all year building and preparing for this game, and the rest of the games are kind of, like, the the appetizer, I guess. And in Ohio State, it, it didn't seem like they – did they really – I could be wrong. Did they break out a play that was foreign to Michigan the whole we game? We kept, wait, kept waiting – Tapped waiting for some kind of goofy, wrinkly call. They've got the talent for it. Absolutely. That was and that was that was half the thing. So I don't know. Did they run one screen to Travion Henderson? Because like that was something going into the game. I thought Ohio State could totally exploit with Michigan because Henderson's so dangerous on the edge. I don't know if they ran one designed screen. For him, maybe one. I'm trying to think. Maybe there was one in there, but like I, I thought all of Henderson's catches, I thought were like checkdowns, like dump downs. Uh, but that was something like at, right to your point was throughout the game waiting and waiting for some kind of, you know, like the Edwards pass, and not necessarily that obviously for that for Ohio State, but just something that was like, oh, didn't see that coming, and yeah, never, never happened. And you do, and that's the other thing with them. Talk about Marvin Harrison, dude. Abuka is going to be a first round pick too. It's not like you have. It's not like it's Harrison and nobody else. Yeah, and and not to mention like Kate Stover is an All American candidate this year. Like they have weapons galore offensively. 
Julian and Fleming, yeah, pretty yeah, good. Fleming Xavier Johnson, great, yeah. Yeah, Fleming played a great game yesterday. So, yeah, kept waiting for some kind of, you know, something, and it never materialized for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the defense and some other parting shots and maybe maybe some thoughts as, as Michigan enters the official – I know it felt like a postseason game yesterday, but the official postseason section of its schedule. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. So, Steve, I, I think, you know, I'm doing my grades, and I think I the offense graded out pretty high, even though 30 points doesn't feel like a lot and they, you know all that. I, ultimately, I've seen enough of, of Ohio State's defense this year to know that, you know, that was a very, very good gutsy physical all the all the adjectives i had earlier performance for the offense defense i think made the plays they needed to make right the two picks i think there were a couple stops in in michigan territory that forced ohio state to to kick a field goal or attempt a field goal i don't know that i'm giving pass defense run defense the same grade because i i think uh they did a lot of things well but it did feel like i don't know if you maybe you maybe you disagree I feel like if the game had a fifth quarter or if Ohio State had had, you know, if they had to play like 10 more minutes, I kind of feel like Ohio State would have won. Like it just felt like they were able to move the ball pretty effectively. I'm I'm only going to be so critical because Michigan ultimately won and held Ohio State to 24 points. But but your thoughts on the defense and and some of your biggest takeaways on that side of the ball. Yeah, a pretty, I guess, textbook performance, right? I mean, I think Harrison did what Jim said, like, you know, he is, he's not a guy you're going to stop. You just have to slow down. And even though he scored a touchdown and had over a hundred yards, the rest of the defense, yeah. Yeah. It had over a hundred yards. He still felt like you kind of slowed him down. Right. I mean, he had, he sort of did what in Jigba Smith and Jigba did a couple of years ago. It was like, he had to earn a lot of what he did and he did when he was called upon, but it did still, still felt like Michigan for the most part, I, I wondered, I think with the preview episode, I said, were they going to do like an Aaron Burbridge, Michael Floyd type deal where they were just going to, like he was going to have like 19 targets and that didn't end up happening. So, yeah, I mean, I thought overall, you know, Michigan, I thought did a good enough job slowing down the run, especially, you know, what was the, the stats for Henderson on the edge versus between the tackles, right? was a big, was a there was a stark difference there. Wonder if Michigan yes. maybe played the edge harder. Right. And that's maybe that's why he had a little bit more success in between the tackles than maybe we thought he would, because Michigan was probably more content to let him get four or five in the middle than they were to let him get out on the perimeter. Right. Because that's where he's by far the most dangerous. So also a lot of rotation, particularly in the defensive backfield throughout. Right. I mean, I thought Jade McBurrows looked like he belongs like that. You got to be encouraged. If you're Michigan, seeing him, you know, out there and and playing a physical, playing a physical brand of football. I mean, he was out there on the last drive. I mean, he's the. I think he's the one that rip. I think he's one who technically the penalty was called on after the interception for taking off his helmet. I mean, he was out. And Quentin Johnson made one of the best plays of the game, right? I mean, particularly in the the, the defensive backfield at Michigan, deep and got really solid performances across the board. So you know, the really the. Outside of the the drive where Ohio State ran it like nine times in a row, the only really huge, huge play was when Michigan substituted Jimmy Rolder in there 
and McCord changed the call at the line because I think he saw Jimmy Rolder. I was going to say, yeah, yeah that was, that changed was, the call. Then that was a that was an excellent little read and uh, audible there because like it was clear you get Stover one on one with Rolder, and that's not a matchup that Rolder's probably going to win anytime soon. So outside of that, a couple little tic tac, you know, a little couple you know, 50-50 type things, you know, I just thought Michigan overall was pretty textbook performance. Uh, again, though, Ohio State's line, I think, performed a little bit better than we thought they would. I thought Michigan would get a mm-hmm. little bit more pressure. They were able to get it in spots, but not maybe consistently. So, you know, that's why I think that's why McCord had so much success for the middle third of the game because because Ohio State's offensive line did a pretty good job neutralizing Michigan's pass rush and you know we didn't expect Michigan to send many extra guys very often if at all so it was up to that front four but yeah overall I mean yeah you can't be too critical of how Michigan looked right I mean again quarterback issues aside and McCord played well you know Ohio State may have the best skilled position talent uh, in the country yeah that's true they really might I mean we it's it's funny to think like I don't know, I guess like compared to Stroud, you know, Kyle McCord kind of gets almost pitched as this like underrated guy. It's like he's a five star, right? Travion Henderson is was a five star. You know, all, all the receivers were five stars. I, I, you know, it's yeah, it's it's a very and all, on the offensive line, it's it's a whole lot of blue chip players. So Ohio State, I think compared to I don't think Ohio State played poorly offensively. I think Michigan you know where where it shined because they're gonna they're gonna get some passes right. Ohio State had ten pass plays of at least ten yards. That's probably more or less par for the course when you have those those kind of receivers that caliber of quarterback, and you have Ryan Day. I mean, you know, say what you will about Ryan Day's dancing and whistleblowing, but dude, he's forty and zero. He's forty and zero against the rest <laughs> of the Big Ten. Like, he's and like, and specifically, he's always been revered for his past play game yep. play calling. Yep. So I think maybe I am being too critical. I, I don't mean to be, but I, I you know, I, I always kind of like look at the. There's like a few key stats that I look at, and it did feel like Michigan made the right plays at the right time. I mean, they're not winning that game without those two interceptions, right? And and I think you know there were a couple other plays here and there, especially. You know, I did feel like they did stop the run a lot, especially, you know, outside of that one drive. I Maybe I'll look it up after we record, you know, what, how, how well did they run outside of that one drive, which that might be an Ohio State problem. But also, I think Michigan started out really strong stopping the run, and I think they finished really strong stopping the run. I think you're allowed to have a couple drives where maybe, you, you know, you, you miss a couple assignments or, you know, if you're rotating guys, you know, not – not every rotation is going to work. Not every play call is going to work. And so, yeah, maybe that was a drive where Michigan sat down. You know, the defensive players all sit down on the sidelines after each series and we're kind of like, okay, can't let that happen again. They got that one, but they're not getting two. I would argue that's the result that happened, you know, in terms of stopping the run. So, so yeah, I think ultimately they got the job done. That's the biggest key in this game. That's been, I mean, that's always been the biggest key in this game is I don't think any any fan really cares how much you win by. If you're beating Ohio State, it's it's a success. And the same on for Ohio State fans. I'm sure you know you can beat Michigan by half a point, and, and they'd be fired up about it. So ultimately, great win, great regular season 
for Michigan heading into the postseason. I yeah, I, I'm assuming Zach Zinter is out for all of it. Uh, don't know about Will Johnson. I think he missed some of the second half. That actually maybe one more That's, defensive that, thought. That was that was actually my biggest question coming out of the game because he didn't come back in. Yeah, and you didn't in a game of this magnitude. You have to. Yeah, think. If, he, if he could, I right? think he would. You know, I do wonder what Michigan's approach is. You know, when they have a deep rotation, as you kind of said, like, sure. I mean, Will Johnson, he he had the early interception. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the situation was, but that will be something to watch. Maybe not against Iowa. I might. You know, <laughs> no offense. Maybe no not offense, in the but... Big Ten championship game, but no, but but you're also dead on. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, think I... Iowa's receivers are. It, I, it is so messed up that they're playing Iowa again. Like just like after they're literally fired their offensive, basically fired their offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. They've set. Oh, multiple lowest, records yeah. over under. Yeah, the second time in this year <laughs> that they've set a Vegas record for lowest over under. And here they are. It's it's the most Iowa thing. Yeah. Ever. Like it literally when people like use Iowa as a verb or, or or a descriptor, like this is it. Is that they're they're still there. So and their best player isn't DeGene, isn't he out for the season? Yeah. One more thing I want to say about this game. Yeah. Because I do want to ask you about about maybe not did we'll do a full Iowa preview where we'll have all the names, right. We'll have all the injuries, right. And everything. But um, one more thing I did want to shout out because they, they, you know, he got a lot of flack early in the season. Felt like it was totally unwarranted, but James Turner coming in clutch 12 points yesterday and a six point win. You know, he had a 50 yard field goal. He had a couple of what? 38, 36 yard field goals. Hit all the extra points. You know, I think, uh, and then Tommy Doman, Tommy Touchback, as you like to call him. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> he's been one of Michigan's most valuable players the last three weeks, easily. Yes, yeah. Right? He had the pin inside the five. He had. I, I'm sure he would have loved for it not to be a touchback, but but the punt that went 70, 71 yards, 70, yeah, like 79. It was 79. Okay. Unless they missed, unless they, but that was what it was on the telecast. They said 79 yards on that punt. So wow. just insane, wow. dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, special teams. And, and also, this is always a game where I think offensive and defensive players, they play enough snaps that they're kind of comfortable in the game. But I do think special teams, sometimes, you know, you got players who maybe this is their only snap all game or they only play five snaps all game. You know, I think the nerves can be there. I think the maybe not nervous like how non-Division one athletes get nervous, but I think there is a little bit of that extra adrenaline and you kind of have to slow your your mind down. That's not just, that's not just kicking and punting, although that they definitely have to, but that's also, I'm thinking about gunners and returners and things like that. Just really impressive to me that Michigan is just so steady. It's, they have a steady hand at pretty much everything they do and special teams, maybe a little bit more impressive than Offense and defense, all things considered, just because they have a new starting punter, a new starting kicker. He's not new to starting in college, but he's new to Michigan. And and yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of freshmen, there's a lot of walk-ons on in the, in those special teams units. Just uh, they won the special teams battle. I don't know if that made. You could probably argue it made the difference in the game. Certainly, certainly made an impact. And I think that was that was just one more one more thing I wanted to shout out because I know like it, they they special teams kind of got some flack early in the year because there were miscommunications and penalties and some turnovers and some missed 
either missed kicks or just not not super great punts and and uh they got better each week and they played probably their best game when it mattered most so thought that was pretty impressive you know i'm a team's guy so like yeah yeah yesterday especially james turner i mean because again i i you know i always watch the game with my buddies and they're pretty diehard guys and but sort of classic in that you know turner walks out and they're immediately on eggshells and it's like he's been fine like what kind of he's, shoes he's only missed to two fill? yeah he's he's <laughs> only missed two field goals this year and one was i think like a what 53 yarder yeah early right? on season the other one was like a 42 or 43 yarder but michigan iced him by committing a penalty yeah right that's true. I forgot so about. it's good, kind of good memory there yeah i forgot about that I, well because i remember at the time people were like oh, Michigan's got a kicking problem. And I'm like, no, they don't. They really don't. They just, I think, one, I think, you know, Jake Moody was fantastic. Seriously, and that's think, the pr- yeah. and that's the problem, is like he's walking into like a thankless spot where Michigan fans expect not just elite accuracy, but a guy who's drilling them from like 50 plus consistently, you know, not to mention even before that, I know he was, maddingly inconsistent but Nordine also had a leg of gold as far as like you know they could put him out there for a 57 or 58 yarder and uh yeah so well and and Moody for for as much credit as he deserves I think some of his like when he won the Lou Groza and when he was like leading the the country in field goals and things like that some of it was Michigan just didn't have a red zone offense at the time like I do wonder if the narrative about James Turner is different if True. he's getting more of these attempts from inside 40 yards, because this year Michigan's just scored on all those drives. Whereas I think, especially in 2021, I think Moody, this is not to discredit him or anything, but he, his stats got to look even better because he was attempting more of those like 25 to 40 yard field goal attempts, which Turner hasn't been asked to do a ton this year, but that makes, that makes yesterday even more impressive. They haven't really leaned on their kicker much this season. And when they did, I, I felt like he really delivered. Yeah, no, not much more to say about that. There was a couple other, are we done? I want yes. to talk about a couple other college football, just general. Can we have a couple little topics here that I want to cover real quick? Because they're in my head. Legit question. I don't think this is the direction it's going to go, but if you're Ryan Day and Texas A&M calls, what do you do? Dude, I think you right? take it. I, I, so that, you know, of course that was like, a, I don't, that was probably a manufactured rumor i mean i saw there i didn't see but i saw this morning all the mark stoop stuff it looks like a&m is going to try to maybe poach somebody from within the sec or get or try to take dan lanning from oregon but i wondered after yesterday's game with all the money that a&m i mean if there's a program maybe in the country that's not afraid to just throw money at something right and say work is a&m you have to at least answer the phone, right? I mean, and and when I say that, I'm not saying at least answer the phone so you can drive up your price, you know, like the the classic James Franklin crap, like with USC and all that stuff the last few years, he always does that. But you actually, I think you actually have to legitimately listen because he's he's in such a weird spot as a coach, uh, right? Because right? we're talking Cause, about- Because team... I don't think the- the common consensus is to fire him. Right. But I don't think anyone is like staunchly. It kind of feels like 2019 Jim Harbaugh where his seat's not hot, but I don't think fans are like 
it might be hot in, in it might be defense. warm right it might be warm in circles warm not hot in circles that matter though right i mean just because uh-huh. of the perception and because if you're if i i mean on the flip side if i'm texas a&m i'm calling him i mean dude yeah they're like they're, they're a field goal away from probably winning the national championship last year like michigan game aside they're a field goal away from winning it all last year they would have throttled tcu like georgia did maybe not to that extent but either way right uh they would have won that game so i, I think do right don't they have i do to, think if Ohio State, you gotta make that call right and i think he has to know well maybe he doesn't have to know but i i do think he kind of wonders like hey Maybe I should go not just money wise, but maybe I should go somewhere where I'm wanted because I I don't think Ohio State hundred fully turned on him, 100%. but I think that there's a very strong belief that when you see what Brian Hartline's doing as as a offensive coordinator recruiting guy, when you see Luke Fickle's coaching Wisconsin and Marcus Freeman's coaching Notre Dame, and you see Mike Vrabel's coaching in the NFL here and there, like like it just feels like the the coaching tree for Ohio state is big enough that I don't know. If That's Ohio true state too. Fans, yeah. Like they Michigan could. fans are like, even when he was struggling, they were like attached at the hip to Harbaugh. There was like an emotional adoration yep. that exceeded the results on the field. It's part of why he wasn't fired after 2020. I don't know that there's that same emotional connection to Ryan day. No, and no, I don't I know mean, that there's... Ohio state fans feel like they can't replace him. Right. That, I mean, didn't even think about the next step. You know, because yeah, if there's a that's another program that's again Ohio State top, in my opinion, top three, four program in the country. No shortage of candidates in house. Yeah. So again, that's this is all theoretical, but I just wonder because I've. It's you know, crazy I've, that we're talking about this, even though they could technically still make the college football playoff right? for its. I don't think they. Year. So I don't think they should. I don't know about you, but I don't think they should. Nah, they, they if a, if if other teams look really bad, maybe, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I would, I, I, and so that was also like, I like, think they're better than Alabama, but I don't know that dude, they're better than Texas I didn't, I just saw, I didn't see how uh, Alabama miracle. Like I didn't even see that. So that was like, and Washington struggled a little bit yesterday. I kind of think Oregon will win that rematch. Not a team I'd want to play right now. Uh, Oregon and yeah. Georgia would be a fascinating semifinal, you know, Michigan, maybe Michigan, Washington in the other well, no, no, Oregon would beat Florida State. Florida State, sorry, 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 Florida State, yeah, sorry. That'd be a dream scenario right now if you're Michigan, honestly, right? I mean, well, yeah, you have that, and then you also have the college football playoff. I mean, that's so matchup dependent. I don't, I don't know if you want. We want to get too much into. You can't preview all four or five or six potential teams that they would face, but, but in terms of looking at Michigan, what's something you would be keeping an eye on this week, or for them to either improve upon or or expand upon? I think. I think for me, I think it really is just still trying to get a little more aggressive in the run game. You know, I, I, I feel like Donovan Edwards once again was like just a couple feet, just a you know arm tackle or a missed tackle away from, from breaking these big runs. You know, can they get more runs outside the tackle? Can they get a little bit more aggressive? You know, I, I don't know if maybe returning Sharon more to OC role instead of having him wear three hats at once, you know, maybe that that could help. I mean, that's probably the the biggest one for me as well as, as well as on the defense. I think the big thing for me is just like continuing to build on that edge pass rush. Felt like the D tackles had good pass rush against Ohio state edge guys. I don't know if they're at a championship winning level just yet. So I think those are probably the two for me. What do you want to see from, from Michigan 
I guess not just this next week, but also this next month. And when you think about separating what's separating Michigan from where it is right now and a national championship. They still didn't really attack the edge in the running game very much, right? I, I'm still wonder. I mean, I still almost wonder if they're this might be who they are. Uh when they do attack the edge, they have a lot of success. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe, you know, sort of like push and pull, but within the running game, like maybe attack the edge a little bit more, utilize JJ a little bit, right? So they'll play Iowa next week. They can probably kind of do what they've done. Uh, but when you're playing for a, a national title, I still think you got to use McCarthy's legs more than what Michigan has shown. I, I think that's got to be one of the major keys, you know, and also I think getting him out of the pocket in the passing game too. He's excellent in getting out of the pocket and making big time throws on the run or just, again, just even just getting out of the pocket. So I, th- I think that's really the biggest thing for me. And you're going to want to see a little bit more, I think, out of the pass rush, whether that's committing more guys or getting more consistent pressure up front. I think that's another, again, and, and we're at the point now, we're talking about Michigan winning a national championship. I'm not saying, not saying the pass rush stinks or has been terrible. We're talking about a team that to win it all. I think that's the other area uh, because, you know, I just, I always, I just look at Georgia and Carson Beck has come a long way this season at quarterback. You could almost argue they've improved at quarterback with him right now. So I think pass rush is the other part piece of the puzzle where they have to, it's got to step up in these big games. If Michigan's going to win what it'd be three more games now. Right. Uh, I, I think that's the area defensively where, yeah, they need to, and will Johnson's health again, they may be able to sit. I, I got, I mean, I guess I assume by the time the playoff comes around, provided they win next week that he'll be back to full strength, I would think. Right. But either way, I think he is arguably Michigan's most important defensive player uh, because they did rotate heavily. We talked about it earlier, but they're not as talented top to bottom at cornerback as they're like, you know, uh, Mason Graham missing a few games in the middle of the season does not kill Michigan in the middle of their defensive line because they have a pl- they have plenty of rotation, plenty of guys who have played good football there. At cornerback, he's not a guy you want to have missing uh, against some of the best teams in the country. I mean, let's just see, theoretically say they play Florida State. You know, you're talking about Keon Coleman, right? You want Will Johnson out there on him. No disrespect to Josh Wallace or any of the other corners. I mean, that's what, you know, Will Johnson's one of Michigan's best players. You want him out there. So uh, those are the three, so three things. Yeah, I think a little more variation out of the run game, getting McCarthy out of the pocket, uh, pass rush, and, and Will Johnson's health. I think those are the biggest things in my mind. I think we are three for three in agreement on those. So they're really important if we both say so. <laughs> it's uh, Michigan is in the championship game. They're going to have a chance to improve upon those things. They're going to play an extra game. I I do kind of wonder sometimes if that extra game helps or hurts, especially when it's a game kind of like these Big Ten East versus West games have been where it's just not expected to be particularly close. But it also it's five extra practices that the teams that aren't in the conference championship games don't get. Plus, ultimately, you know, Michigan could go tie a school record with 13 wins. They can continue their perfect season. They can capture a third straight Big Ten title. 
you know, Alejandro and I were joking, like the bartenders are going to start recognizing us in India at some point. It feels like we're going there two or three times a year over the past few years, but, but we're back and, and Michigan is back and I'm sure a lot of fans will make the trip. It's always a, always a feel like the fans I talk to always really enjoy that trip. You know, very walkable, fun city that loves to host events like this. And then also the atmosphere inside, you know, indoor NFL arena and, and a little bit of a neutral site vibe, but also Michigan travels pretty well. So I think, I think the fans really enjoy it. So we'll have, our Iowa preview in, a, in the next few days. We'll obviously have tons of stories on this game, the win over Ohio State, as well as looking ahead to the Big Ten Championship over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Lots going on with this Michigan football team recruiting. Early signing day is coming up hey, in the next few weeks. 70, yeah. 75% promo, by the way. But real quick, before we, for anybody for who it. did listen to us blather for a long time today. Uh, yeah, 75% off an annual deal. You know, we, we always say this is the best deal ever. This is literally the most <laughs> percent off that they will allow us to run a promo at. Um, and yeah, this it's a for a full year. And anybody out there who's a monthly subscriber already who's not in a promo, you're paying full price monthly. Uh, you can get a free upgrade for the annual at 75% off. And the one other little thing on this deal that's special is if you are a monthly sub, sub and you do upgrade you do get Paramount Plus immediately. It's not, you, normally you have to wait till the promo is over to get you know to be and be a full payer to get Paramount Plus. Right now, if you do upgrade from a, as a full monthly sub, you get Paramount Plus with that upgrade. You don't, and if you already have it, obviously you don't lose the you don't lose the privilege uh, by moving to a promo. So big, it's a big deal for new subs and for people who are already paying you know, to, to be a subscriber on the site. So yeah, massive deal. Bryce already posted a couple sto- recruiting stories. I'm waiting for one response and I'll have something good up on the site. I feel like in about 10 minutes after we're done recording Sunday morning, but, uh, but yeah, 75% by far the best deal we do. And it would get you all the way until post game Ohio state next season. That's true. That's yep. true. Be sure to check out all of the stories, both VIP and free, over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Lots of stuff from the game, a pretty significant recruiting weekend, and obviously the Big Ten Championship game coming up next week in Michigan's postseason push. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.